0: Hello. You are listening to the Bethel Atlanta sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. I love you. Oh, thank, you, so much. Oh, thank, you. Oh.
1: thank you, thank you. All right, I'm gonna pray and please join
2: me. My life for your glory, to tell the whole story. My life for your glory, I live to represent you well. My life for your glory, to tell the whole story, my life for your glory. I live to represent you well. All right, thanks, guys. Amen, amen. All right. So
1: sometime over the last two years, I remember having a very normal 2020, 2021 life experience where I felt a little discouraged by what was going on around us in the world. And I asked God, what can I do with my life, with any measure of my resources, with my influence, my responsibilities that I've been entrusted with? And I felt like God said, I have a strategy. Do you wanna hear it? We're gonna release a sound and that sound is gonna release a light and it's gonna draw the whole earth unto me. So ever since that moment, on every Sunday morning that we've gathered for worship, a few times I've been to Bassam school year this year, really anytime we gather, I intentionally as a prophetic act, as an act of faith, I imagine a wave of light coming from this plot of land and going out to the ends of the earth. And I invite you as an act of faith, as a prophetic act, anytime we engage in worship, anytime you're in worship in the presence of Jesus one-on-one, just imagine that light being released to the ends of the earth. Our sound can release a light that has no end. So a couple of months ago when I was asked to speak, I asked God what to talk about and I felt like I heard him say that, talk about releasing the sound of light. Light illuminates, light shows the way, makes the path clear, light dispels the darkness. Light is warm and can welcome someone home. Light can indicate safety, light represents hope, light can reveal, uncover the truth. John 8, 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We have, we possess the light of life within us. So is that the sound? that comes out of us, the sound of light. I feel like he's really been talking to me about how in the kingdom these things aren't exclusive, but they work together. So according to the Department of Physics at the University of Illinois, they say that it is true that sound and light are alike only to the extent that they are both waves. They are inherently different on the basis that light is electromagnetic radiation. Because light does not have a medium, it can transmit through objects in a way that sound cannot. Sound requires a medium. Because light does not have a medium, it can transmit through objects in a way that sound cannot. Could light break through hearts in a way that sound alone cannot? Release the sound of light, he said. Do we have a sound in our worship? Do we have a sound in our life as an imitator of Christ that becomes light to pierce the darkest places of society into the depths of the hardest hearts and the most broken of people? We are first citizens of heaven and we are inhabiting and taking dominion over the earth. And if it's our mandate to bring heaven to the earth, we have to be aware that he will probably ask us to believe the ways of the kingdom over the laws of the earth. So as heaven invades the earth, could the laws of physics have to be totally rewritten? I've kind of been imagining and daydreaming about a point in our history books where the laws of physics are being revised. They're being rewritten because of the, effects of heaven inhabiting this place. So Bethel Atlanta, we are called to be a people individually and corporately who walk this earth, releasing the sound of light. Our lives are a living song of worship. What is the message your life song is singing? What is the sound? What is the tone? Does it sound like Jesus?
2: my life for your glory.
1: Leif Hetland recently posted um, a quote on his Instagram page that really resonated with me. It said, who Jesus is to you is who Jesus is through you. Who he is to you is who he is through you. I live to represent you well. So Jesus, my prayer would just be perfect us in your love. If I'm not seeing you for who you are, if I'm not accurately beholding you, if there's like a lens or anything obstructing or skewing my view, help me, refine me so that the sound of my life represents you well. Chris Valton recently released a word that's been incredibly impactful on many of us and probably a lot of you have heard it, but it's called the Malachi Mandate. And I would encourage you to look it up um, on Bethel's Reading's podcast and take a listen if you haven't. But in the message, he starts to share or release a prophetic word um, during a staff meeting. And he started to basically say, we're in a transition. But then God stopped him and said, no, you're not in a transition, you're in a metamorphosis. And this word isn't just for you or your staff, but it's for the entire world. And then he continued to share that transition is about changing seasons. You move from one season to the next, but a metamorphosis is about changing you. So naturally for a butterfly, the metamorphosis is not the most glamorous part of its life. The caterpillar literally becomes goo and lives the next phase of its life in darkness, in a cocoon, not knowing what comes next of its state of being. And you know, this could totally feel disheartening, but we know what comes next is everything that that caterpillar was truly destined for, to shine, to fly, to be beautiful. And if he's inviting, if God's inviting us into the goo, that's exactly where we need to be. So a few weeks ago, I got frustrated by something just going on in life, and I was about to jump in the shower and go to bed, and I basically was just brushing it off, and I wasn't even asking God his thoughts about it, and I even consciously had the thought to myself, I'm so good at brushing stuff off. Way to go. Way to go, me. I just let stuff go so well, and I felt a quickening in my spirit, and I heard him say, there is a grace to run hard at the hard things. And he didn't say, I'm making hard things easy. He didn't say, I'm giving you a grace to make hard things easy. He said, there's a grace for the hard if you choose to run towards it. We know that grace is the operational power of God to do something that we otherwise couldn't do or otherwise would be too hard on our own. And, you know, I would rather go after the hard things when he's providing the grace to do it rather than when he's not. And I think about the Israelites, they had to cross the Red Sea one way or another. Death was literally on both sides. Red Sea, advancing armies behind them. And I'd rather cross the Red Sea when he's making a way and parting the waters and not when I have to jump in and swim. And he said, like, if he said I could do it, I could do it either way, right? I could walk or I could swim, but I'll choose walking if he's making a way, So if he's providing a way for that, Bethel Atlanta, let's be a people that run hard at the hard things when he's the one that's inviting us into it. So I think... We're in a very intentional refining process right now, individually and corporately, so that the sound of light can be even more bright and clean and pure. And I feel that what he wants to pour out is greater than than anything we've ever experienced in our lifetimes. And Dara keeps saying it, and I really believe it. He's not just moving on individuals anymore. He really cares about unity. He really cares about family. And he's doing things amongst his people. So what is going to make a beautiful, powerful, bright, shining body is a bunch of individual toes, pinky nails, brains, elbows, unique, specific body parts who commit their lives to be bright, shining, and beautiful. And then we'll add it to the whole So a few weeks ago, I was standing in the back of church after worship and I had a panorama view of our body and I just kind of started daydreaming. And then all of a sudden I felt like I saw a picture of like particles and pieces of dust and things of that nature starting to float up and out of each individual. And then Jesus came near us and his light started just absorbing all of it. And as individuals were being refined, the light from each life started like adding to the light of their neighbor. So my light started adding to Lauren's, Lauren's to Jen. And then our collective light was added back to the light of Jesus. And you couldn't see, like at that time we were outside with those sun wings, you couldn't see the sun wings, you couldn't see the floors, you couldn't see the chairs, the stage anymore. It was just this blinding light. And he wants to do a refining in us individually. And then I think he wants us to bring our refined piece to the larger puzzle. So Matthew 5, 14 through 15 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Bethel, Atlanta, you are the light of the world. Atlanta, you are a city meant to be on a hill. Isaiah 61 through three, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. See, have we seen that? And darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. Nation is saved in a day now and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So I didn't make up this strategy. I didn't come up with the game plan, but the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. And what are the consequences of Him rising upon us, of His glory appearing over us? It says nations will come to the light. He said, Vanessa, here's the plan we're going to release a sound and that sound is going to release a light and that light will draw the earth to me. So as we said, to be a bright body of believers, we have to commit to being bright individuals. Our lives are living songs. What's the sound it's singing? So here's some of the things that I really feel like he has been teaching and refining in me, some of the dust or dirt he's pulling out of me so that my life can be more pure. Cause I live to represent you well. Um, I feel like God told me recently, this is, this is God talking to me. He said, my sound is not louder than the noise of the earth it's outside of the noise of the earth. When I speak, the sound of my voice is not competing with anything else. It's higher than everything else, it's light. And it made me think if we're made in the image of God, we're not meant to compete with the noise either. We're meant to speak about the things that advance heaven and the earth and release light, life, hope. And so that had me thinking further and I really think that it means we have to be careful not to make our goals to find a man or a woman or anyone in the earth that thinks the best and then let that be what renews our mind. And it's so tempting, especially in this hour, the news, a wise businessman, a faithful friend, even a trusted pastor, a teacher, the the input could really even be considered from anywhere good, but man's thinking only satisfies for a moment So that's only helpful for a moment. Zaina is dropping bombs in my life all the time. And uh, recently we were having this conversation and she said, are we getting wrapped up in the act of worship or wrapped up in the Jesus that we worship? There is a difference. The songs will end. What sustains you after the music stops? (sighs) Oh, Zaina. So now hear my heart. I don't think that this means that God doesn't, use other people to speak into our lives, to actually like mold and shape our hearts. I think it's actually one of the major ways he speaks to us. Dan literally a few weeks ago shared an incredible message about like family and having spiritual mothers and fathers in our lives and how Jesus is like growing us through people and family. I think it just means that it can't be my only source and it can't be my main source, nothing above him, everything in its right place and order. So the earth is longing for people who really know him and who Jesus would say the same in return about. I can know him, but do I let him know me? What he say of me, I know Vanessa. Search me, refine me, change me. Will my whole life bend in an instant at the whisper of his voice, at the glance of his eye? I also feel that we need to loosen our grip on earthly ideals when God has ways. We need to loosen our grips on earthly ideals when God has ways. I don't want to ever have the best idea on the earth when I'm created to live with the mindsets of heaven. Isaiah 55, eight through nine, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, to be intimate with someone's ways, you have to be in an intimate relationship. So that means we have to be willing to be naked to Jesus, our whole life open to be shaped by his ways. You know, as I'm married to Josh longer and longer, I'm more acquainted with his ways. Like things he used to have to explain to me early on, like that, that required words, I get now, just with like a glance of an eye, with a look, I can interpret what he's feeling. I can, I can even sometimes have that moment of like, I totally knew you'd be thinking that. Um, you know, we can interpret the facial expressions and words aren't always necessary. So I recently saw a picture in my mind of people gripping so hard in their hands, different earthly ideals, and Jesus came close and they chose to grip harder. And his love wouldn't be a true love if we didn't have a choice, and if he like made our hands open. So he didn't. He won't force you to choose his ways. We can die on the mountain of our our ideas if we want to.
2: It's our choice. So, you know, we lay down all earthly agendas, come have your way in us, Jesus. So those are some of the things that he's been talking to
1: me about regarding us as individual followers of Christ. So that's more like the refining the light with, um, within us individually, and so refining the light with the church, regarding the church at large, the big C church, Bethel Atlanta, but church globally. I feel like there's a few specific things he's been showing me that he is requiring, that he is shaking. Isaiah nine, six through seven, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What God wants to do, he will do. And I think, you know, I have to think that what he had as his original ideas for accomplishing his plans on the earth are still a part of his plans today. So I just wanna say that the church was God's idea. Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock, I will build my church. Those were his words. He loves the church. He says he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. And when he tells husbands to love their wives as the standard, he says, love them as the church. Love them as I have loved the church. And what level was that love? We know, he laid down his life. And if he loves and is using the church, I have to be compelled to continue to love and believe in the church at that same level. I have to engage my life with what he loves. And as like the big C church, church at large, our light is getting refined because he will be the answer. Jesus has always been the answer since the garden, he's been the answer and people want the real thing. We want the real thing. And I think people in church, if they're hurt, they're just getting tired of shiny things that imitate the light, but aren't the real deal. And I think people in the world think we're flaky because we present an illusion at times. So Zaina once told me that God told her, you can't influence what you aren't willing to touch. So
2: my life for your glory, to tell the whole story. My life for your glory, I live to represent
1: you well. So I think the first step for Bethel Atlanta and the church at large to corporately release our sound of light is simply showing up. Are we showing up? Because Jesus has our forever yes. Does his bride have our yes too? I understand that there's pains from the church. I understand that church is messy. Duh, people are messy. And look around, people, 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 people. We are people and we're messy. But everywhere you go, there you will be and there others will be. So until God tells you to move, remain. Close the back door. June Ann told me recently that her heart was really burning and longing to see some areas in our church, like specifically worship and the community overall, to be even more vibrant and thriving. And we are beautiful in so many ways already, but I could hear in June Ann's tone that this burning desire was like from such a holy place, such a heart that was longing for the more that God already has readily available. And God really challenged her and her challenge and his challenge to her was simple. He said, June Ann, show up. What often bothers us is where we are often supposed to be a part of the solution. Psalms 89:14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Jesus walked a life that held truth and love together perfectly. His very nature is love. God is love. Love is God and he cannot tell a lie. We have such an opportunity here. The world will be drawn to the light of a perfect king. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. Whether they know it or not yet, everybody wants a king like Jesus. And I think we do, we have such an opportunity if we do this well. He is the light within us. And this kind of light is made for the darkest places in the earth and the parts of history where there are deep, deep places of pain. My life for His glory to tell the whole story. That's like a really intentional way of saying it because love isn't afraid of the whole story. Also, it's the very nature of love to tell the truth in every part of the story. Hebrews 12, five through seven and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? And I see the church at large trying to hold both righteousness and justice, both truth and love. And it's not easy. And sometimes I think the guitar is wailing way louder than the beat of the drum. And sometimes it feels like truth and love are competing for face melting solos. And sometimes we probably have sounded a little dissonant and we may have sounded like we're missing some notes, but I'm genuinely thankful for the people who are committed to keep showing up and keep trying, even when we're messy, even when we're not the most harmonious. Remember, Jesus loves the church. If Jesus loves the church, I have to engage with what He loves, it's His idea. And you know, He's not tone deaf, and yet He comes close even when we're out of tune. So I have to commit to tuning up and to play my part and to sing my portion. I can feel his heart drawing near here. I know he is ready to show us his ways around this for those who are humble. So last weekend, Josh and I celebrated our six year wedding anniversary. Yeah, whoop, whoop. And we went to um, Greenville, South Carolina and Asheville, North Carolina for a few days. And after a great dinner in um, Greenville, we just strolled down the main street. And while we were strolling, we walked past maybe like four to five different groups of individuals preaching at different street corners. And you know, Main Street is probably not even a mile, a few miles long, you know, so it was an easy walk. And within that walk, we heard several different perspectives and thoughts shared about the same Jesus and his kingdom. And much of it contained scripture. So you could say what was being shared was truth but the feeling behind the words, they didn't feel like they held a lot of room for love. And after walking past the last two people with a small amp and a microphone, there was this girl on the next street corner with her flute, just playing a song. And she was just simply adding beauty. And I could feel uh, uh, the light coming from her light. I was drawn to her. And I remember turning to Josh and basically saying like, this is the prettiest thing I think I've heard on the street tonight. And, I turned to Josh and basically said like, if you weren't saved, how, like, how would you feel about this? And basically he said turned off, like he wouldn't be, be drawn to it. And, um, you know, we dialogued further and we even openly admitted that like, we could be entirely wrong about our feelings from those interactions. And we talked about how these things being shared on the street corners, these interactions, they could be like exactly what someone needs to hear and exactly in the tone of what they, you know, were delivering it with. And we even openly commended them and their hearts for being people that are moved to action, right? Like the good news of Jesus isn't just meant for us to sit around and feel good about. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to transform the world. So we were thankful for their hearts to share, but something still just like felt a tad off. And, you know, it stirred me deeply. How do we do this well? I live to represent you well. And so we were driving back to our hotel room and Josh mentioned Jeremiah and he kind of said something along the lines of like, wasn't he the prophet that God appointed to tell people about their sins and he really didn't want to do it? Like he resisted greatly. And when he said this, it felt kind of like a key, especially the, and he really didn't want to do it part. So Jeremiah was called to prophecy in 626 B.C. by God to proclaim Jerusalem's coming destruction from the invaders of the north. And this was because Israel basically had forsaken God. They were worshiping Baal and sacrificing their children. And the nation had deviated so far that it basically broke their covenant. And that caused God to withdraw his blessings. Um, So, you know, it feels like sometimes the sound being released from the church is just highlighting the darkness. It's not a light that sets people free, but a highlighter. And could it be that Jeremiah was used by God to release truth, to expose the sin, because he wasn't eager to step up to the mic? Could he have had a humility within him that made him just right for the job, to speak both the truth and to hold on to love? History also accounts that Jeremiah was really only a child and that he didn't know how to speak well. God had to put the words in his mouth. So I propose that when we think that we're, most, like, we're the most qualified to speak to something, that is maybe when we should be slower to speak. I live to represent you well. We're meant to be restorers of the breach. We're meant to proclaim the truth that God guides us to proclaim. We're designed by the very one whose nature is restoration and redemption and justice and righteousness. We were made righteous because he is righteous. Any solution without the complete nature of Jesus won't be sustainable. Anything that doesn't hold both love and truth, both righteousness and justice, will fall short. We're made to go to the middle of the darkness. That's what light is for. But are we in the middle of the darkness with judgment for the darkness? Or are we Jeremiah's? Is our love so deep it hurts? It's kind of been my prayer lately. Make my love so deep it hurts. You know that feeling. Like I really need to, I really need to speak about that. But like my love is so deep, I gotta think about how to do it well. You know, it's so deep that it actually is right for me to say something. It wouldn't be love for me not. But like, I'm really chewing over how to do this because my love's so deep, it hurts. Blake Healy once said something along the lines of, I really long to see the church known more for what it is for than for what it is against. And it really got me thinking, if we were known more for what is lovely and pure, I don't think we'd have to mention what we're against nearly as often as we may think. Matthew 7, 5, you hypocrite, that was Jesus talking to us, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will, cl- you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So a few things to note, my eye has a log, my brother's eye has a speck. Also. We didn't just leave the log and the speck in our eyes. Jesus does truly want people living free. He wants us living in truth and light. June Ann recently said to me, but what if it is the goodness of God that you get to be refined in his presence? The last thing to note, the world wasn't the first to address us as hypocrites. It was Jesus. And if he saw fit, okay? If he saw fit, yeah, to point that out, Let's just be aware that we possess the potential for hypocrisy and it's not a good look. I'm not saying this to make us shy away from the truth. I'm just humbling myself. I'm just reminding my soul that I'm in just as much need for the righteousness of Jesus as the next person. When we're ready to release what feels like the truth, maybe a good practice would be for us to take that judgment to Jesus and wait for his response. If he puts the words in our spirit like he did for Jeremiah, then it will carry a light that draws all the earth to him. But if he calls hypocrisy, then in the words of the rapper Ice Cube, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right, Mike? Yeah. Okay. John 17:20 20 through 21. I'm not asking on behalf of them alone, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their message. So I'm going to read that again. I'm not asking on behalf of them alone, on behalf of us alone, but on behalf of those who will believe in Jesus through their message. So He's about to tell us in the next verse that there's a message that we can live. And as the consequence of living this message, there will be more people who will believe in him. So the next verse goes, that all of them may be one as you father are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So unity is possible because he said he gave us the glory to supernaturally make it possible. I shared a message last year in January about the consequences of our worship. And if you're new here and you wanna hear more about what we believe at Bethel Atlanta about our worship, you can find it on our podcast. But I shared that I felt like unity would be the tipping point for what God would do next. And I really do still feel that a unified people would be a light so blinding in the best way that it would be impossible not to take, uh, to take notice and look. Look at the world, they're literally dividing over anything. I truly believe that the world will look to see a people walking as one. Bethel Atlanta, we can represent him well. We can model in our family, the family of heaven in the way he intended it to look. The sound of unity doesn't have to sound like agreement. I think maybe the first few notes of the sound of unity will carry a tune of humility. Lindy had a dream that feels super significant for our body regarding unity. And the dream starts with this big jet that was full. And Lindy was going, um, or she was piloting the plane, going down the runway. And then she started to take off and had to slam on the brakes because there was this big wall at the end of the runway. And everyone had to get out of the plane. The scene shifted in the dream and Lindy was here in the tent and a lady walked up to her and said, you hurt me so badly. You offended me a few years ago and I'm still so hurt. And Lindy didn't even know who she was or what she had done to this woman, but Lindy's heart was like truly moved and she genuinely felt sorry and asked for forgiveness. And Lindy said she could like feel in the dream that it wasn't just lip service. She could feel the hurt of the person that that person had experienced and that truly moved Lindy's heart. So after Lindy asked for forgiveness and the woman forgave her, there was instantly such a deep level of unity between her and this woman. And from there, Lindy said she could like sense that this was the level of unity our congregation was living in. So next in the dream, we started worshiping and Chris Valatin was there. And she said she knew in the dream, Chris Valatin was representing the Holy Spirit. And he put his arm around Steve and looking towards Lindy and the woman um, embracing and towards the congregation worshiping in unity. He said, this is what true unity looks like. And as we were worshiping, she said, Chris walked up up on the stage and he faced this way, like he was facing away. And we all turned, like all the worship leaders and the team turned to face him and the congregation was facing him. And um, there were words on the back of his pants pockets and new songs and new sounds from heaven and new words were just like pouring out of all of us. And Chris turned around and he looked at the worship leaders and then facing the congregation. He said, now is the time you can record this. And Lindy felt like it was both the recording of the songs, but also like recording in history, the level of unity. And I even had the thought that songs record the story of history too. You can take a listen to music over history and hear the stories of those times. He said, now is the time to record. And I felt like, again, what the Holy Spirit was emphasizing capturing were the sounds of unity and the songs of heaven. I think that's close, guys. I don't think we're far away. I believe that Bethel Atlanta shares a unique call and a grace to pursue unity in every aspect, but I think we especially carry a grace for this sound Um, or for, for this around the reconciliation of races. So remember, God told us, he said, there is grace to run hard after the hard things. And it is my dream that not only will every race, tribe and tongue feel that they can exist here, but that they truly belong here. Not just tolerated, not just accepted, but celebrated. I pray and I'm excitedly anticipating the day when people just walk all over this place saying, I've never felt so rich, I've never felt so free, I've never felt so live. And I think that this richness shows, um, is gonna show up when every person shows up, showing 100% of who God made them to be. The world will look, I promise you, the world will look. So um, I wanna invite Denise to come up. I'm gonna share this prophetic word from Michael Maiden several years ago. Maybe it was like 2018, 2019 when he was visiting us and he said what God is doing in Atlanta. And he kind of gave a specific word over our city and then over Bethel Atlanta as a part of it. And he said, God has raised up Atlanta to be a world leader. Atlanta, as a city and a region, is in an elevated status worldwide. There are often hot spots in the kingdom. These regions will have unusual influence. There's just really no area that Atlanta doesn't have some sort of national or international influence. The city itself has this call. In America, I don't know of another city that is carrying as much weight in the kingdom as Atlanta right now. That's huge. In America, I don't know of another city that is carrying as much weight in the kingdom as Atlanta right now, in the whole country. It's represented across and in a broad spectrum of churches, but surely Bethel will be right in the middle of that. There is a convergence of all kinds of wonderful things in the heart of God for Atlanta when it comes to the importance of cultural things, I believe Atlanta is supposed to represent the healing of the races. Atlanta can't do it without Jesus. A divided church cannot heal a divided nation. Only a united church can heal a divided nation. The things we want to change in culture can't change until they change in church. We have authority to speak to the culture. There is literally no problem more pressing to the heart of God than racial injustice. What an opportunity for us. We have to represent what we want to transform. I live to represent you well. Atlanta is supposed to represent the healing of the races. And I just kind of wanted to note um, to represent like the healing of the races, you know, It makes total sense that Atlanta is supposed to represent that. We have some of the darkest parts of the story, of that story from our city. And remember what we said, love isn't afraid of the whole story. And it tells the truth of the whole story. And the darker the night, the brighter the day. It would make so much sense that he'd take the darkest place to show the brightest, like the darkest parts of history and show the brightest day. Um, so I brought Denise up here. I wanted to share and display a picture. You need help down? <laughs> you good. Okay. <laughs> um, display a picture I saw, I don't know, sometime during last year. And... Denise, you're such a rich friend to me. I love you. Thank you. Um, Okay, so this is a picture I saw in my mind's eye. And at first we were just kneeling. We were like in a humble position and I could see this wall between us. And like from my side, the wall looked like a wall. And from Denise's side, the wall looked like a wall. But then like God told me to walk outside of it and stand like where you guys are looking at the wall. And it was air. It was an illusion. It wasn't a real wall. And we both reached You can do it to my heart too, yeah. We both reached into each other's chest, inside each other's heart, because there was a key in each of our heart for each other. The key I needed was in Denise, and the key she needed was in me. So, you know,
2: we live to represent you well. Yeah. We live to represent you well. We live to represent you well, my life for your glory, to tell the whole story, my life for your glory, I live to represent you well. And
1: the other part... um The other part of it that I remember seeing now was we were looking like directly in each other's eyes as we were pulling out the keys. And I really thought that that was like something significant. Like to tell the whole story, I have to see through Denise's eyes. I only see in part. We all only see in part. He made us to need each other. He made us to need each other. So you wanna say anything to this or pray anything or release anything? You got something, just release something.
0: Man, it's just, it's so good. <laughs> I'm just kind of in it. <laughs> uh, just I just want to share that Vanessa is not just up here reading a message, but this is her life. Um, when we were in Living Proof, Lindy did a kind of a racial reconciliation message. And she kind of told us to break off in groups, I believe of three, I don't really remember. And just to not just to repent, uh, break off in groups of people that didn't look like you. Not just to repent to each other, but to share experiences with each other, to share perspectives that you wanted to forgive and be forgiven for and I happened to be in a group with her and it came back to me um, this week when we were you know, just kind of talking. I had forgotten about that because we just have become such close friends. Um, but she has lived that and, and in the sense that the things that we shared, kind of like what she's saying, the log and the speck, it was like, oh, that's the speck I have. That's the log I have. I didn't realize that. But then also, same thing for me, things that she shared. It was like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, I, we had no idea. And I think what's really important about this visual is that as friends, we allow each other to influence each other, we adjust based off of what we share with each other. We take each other at our word. We go back to Holy Spirit. We come back and we're saying, remember what you said? I thought about this, I thought about that. And so it's, I love also what you shared about um, Jeremiah. It's never a like, oh, you need to be doing this because, (laughs) you know, but it's kind of like, hey, I have this thought, you know, like, tell me what you think about it. And literally, we have gotten keys from each other about understanding. And so I just want to release to you all um, the experience that I have had with Vanessa, the experience of pursuant of someone different, a, a different culture than you, a different. Uh, upbringing than you, a different race than you, a different culture than you. That you will allow yourself to be influenced by them, that they will be influenced by you. That it, that the uh, relationship and the connection that you have is never one where you're telling someone how they have to be, but you're humbling Yourself, you're coming in humility, like Vanessa said. Just even in this stance, it's kind of hard for us to push each other over for me to tell her, you know, because we're we're humble, we're in this posture of surrender to each other, which is why we're able to pull things out of each other. And I love even that you remembered we were looking at each other eye to eye because uh, the apple of an eye is when you're so close that you can see yourself in someone else's eye. So good. That's close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just release the closeness of differences of of people that you will get close. You will get uncomfortably yeah. close. <laughs> (laughs) to someone who doesn't look like you, to someone who hasn't lived life like you, and that it will change you, right? Metamorphosis is not about season-to-season like transition, but it's about changing you and that we will represent unity well. We will represent Jesus well. We will represent his love and, and how he lived life and got close to people that got him in trouble, right, because he was too close to people like that. Why are you so close to people like that? Who are you? Why are you with them? <laughs> and that we will be a part of it uh of Atlanta being the change in the world, the church being the change in the world in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Awesome. Thank you, Denise. All right, just wrapping really quick, a few final notes. Um, Zaina had this amazing dream. I don't have time to share. I'll share another time because it was incredible. But basically in the dream, her... um she heard the song of every nation in her head. And then the sound was out in the world. People started hearing it and they were in their cars and they stopped driving because they heard the sound of the Lord. And um, Zaina's prayer after the stream was that the sound of the Lord would not be confined to the house of the Lord. But from even Bethel, Atlanta, the sound of the Lord would reach to the two-lane roads of Far and Tyrone Road. From there, it would span out to the four lanes of Highway 74. And from there, it'd go to the interstates and all of the city streets, and from there to the whole nation. So you're a living song. What is the sound your life song is releasing? And you're a part of the the larger sound on the earth that God wants to release. It's no accident that you are here. You're a part of the sound of this house. When we gather to worship corporately, your voice makes a difference in our sound. It sounds different when you're in the room and it sounds different when you're not. So show up and release what's inside of you. You're also part of the sound of the city. Let's commit to each other. We're gonna pay the price for the light coming out of the sounds of our lives to be so bright, truly pure. And I think he's upping the ante. He's refining us for what he wants to pour out. But hey, we were made for such a time as this. And he makes no mistakes, including where he placed you in his story.
2: So we were made to release the sound of light. All right. So one more time. Our lives for your glory, to tell the whole story. Our lives for your glory, we live to represent you well. All right,
1: amen, amen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for
0: listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.